baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. We're looking for another guest that I booked uh, with Devin, and we're hoping that we'll get him on to talk about this article that I found in Men Post. The reason why it's so important is because it's so relevant to what we need right now in the great state of Minnesota. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of single room occupancy models. Um, in this article, the title, the headline is, In a Bid to Offer More Affordable Housing Options, Minneapolis Council Members Propose Bringing Back the Rooming House. The rooming house. I remember hearing that um, they were called rooming houses, and I think there are still some that are in existence. Solomon Gustavo is a staff writer at Men Post, and he wrote about this, and I was quite fascinated by it. I just wanted more information. He wrote this on July 12th, and many of you may have heard about this or not. But for me, um, there was a lot of there were a lot of pros about what this means to have. You know these single these single rooms for people to rent or maybe even purchase. They're called single room occupancy S R O, and it's been going on for a long time. Minneapolis was already experiencing housing and homelessness crisis, it says in the article, when the pandemic hit and made the need for affordable housing that much more acute and apparent. Now, as policymakers consider solutions, some are turning to an old type of housing. The rooming house. Remember those type of names? Yeah, I used to hear that all the time, and not just here in Minnesota, but other states as well. Officially known as a single room occupancy in this type of housing, a tenant rents a small room, usually no larger than an average bedroom. The bathroom and kitchen are shared with other tenants. The SRO buildings can vary in size and layout. Some have a bathroom and, and even a kitchen on each floor. Some have a large kitchen on the main floor shared by everyone. Some SROs come with a bathroom in each room, but a communal kitchen. A typical feature of many of the SROs is that the room is fully furnished. Well, joining me to talk about the pros and the cons of these SROs is the man who wrote this article, Solomon Gustavo, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. How are you, Solomon? I'm good, Gerilyn. Thanks for having me. Thanks for reading the story. I appreciate it. Love the story. It reminds me of some of the other stories I've read years ago about uh, these SROs. And, sure. you know, living in a community, that is so cool. And I think we really need it. Some people say this is what the homeless need, but it's not just the homeless. We've got working poor, you know, people who have three jobs right. and still live out of their cars. So this is really needed here in the great state of Minnesota. Tell me why you wrote this article. Well, uh, I, I heard about it from a housing ag advocate that, that um, uh, specifically the Alliance, the nonprofit that runs a few rooming houses in Minneapolis, uh, mm -hmm. owns and operates a few and operates one owned by Hennepin County. Uh, and and uh, they were in communication with a couple of city council members about opening this up, about bringing this back because there had been a freeze on all permits for SROs since the 1980s, uh, you know, the ones that are still here have been grandfathered in. They're just the ones that never, ever went away. So uh, 
just like you mentioned, because of the housing crisis that's been intensified uh, um, by the pandemic, there's been this SRO, pu- SRO push, and I, and I find it interesting, um, particularly because I haven't heard much pushback or much about it at all. So I thought uh, maybe shining a light on it and and and, and uh, opening the, the conversation around, uh, you know, the likelihood that these will be back in the city. Yeah, I kind of like the idea. Um, I know you talked about a lot of the cons about this and why it's, I'm sorry, the pros of this, why it's really important, why there's so many Minnesotans that are on the streets. And I think our governor has done well trying to get people placed. Um, But this could really help solve a few things, I think. Now, there was a big building um, not far from the Veterans Hospital, if I'm not mistaken, old home that they were going to renovate and they were going to open it like a community home, like an SRO. I don't think that ever came to fruition um, because I haven't heard anything about it. I haven't heard if it actually happened or not. Mm. And so here we are talking about this again. Once you learned all about it and why we need it, did you agree that this is something the Minneapolis um, Council, City Council, really should look at seriously? Well, you're, you're certainly right that the article and the people who I speak to, the people I speak to in the story are, are certainly for it. And I didn't really speak to any detractors uh, about this specific kind of ordinance because, you know, they were hard to find. I, I uh, in, in talking to the council members, I, I just directly asked them, you know, in our conversations, you know, where are you getting pushback? Because I'm, I'm not picking any up. Right. And, you know, and they say, you know, I think uh, Council Member Cam Gordon said that the uh, only thing he really hears about SROs in response from residents or from different community interests is that let's open this up even more. Because right now, the current ordinance would only allow nonprofits, not nonprofit mm-hmm. entities that could be a government agency or, or a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. It, it can't be a for profit outfit that operates these right now. Uh, uh, as a way to kind of ease in and, and to, to the idea of SROs, because you know they're the reason that they were frozen and and demolished and kind of erased, not only in Minneapolis but the countries, because they were seen as blight in in a lot of different ways. Uh, they they've fallen into disrepair because of a landlord that didn't you know take care of the of the building and that kind of attracted a certain kind of person or a certain kind of person lived there and, and, and this is from the perspective of of the Minneapolis City Councils in the 70s and the 80s that that really pushed for getting rid of these they the term that was often used was blight so uh, now I that's that's why nonprofits are the way that the city council members that are pushing for this want to start by saying let's make sure that they're managed in a, in a, in a really thoughtful way so that they don't fall into disrepair and they don't become the sore spot in communities. Yeah, but you wrote that, um, you, you said like government agencies and nonprofit organizations. Well, we would have to really define what those nonprofit organizations should be. Are they capable of managing an SRO, right? I mean, that's, that's where I start. Are they capable? I know the government can do it, but can these okay. nonprofits do it as well? Like you said, Alliance, of course, but what about right, others? Right. Yeah, so the, uh, oftentimes the city will take a chunk of resources or just or even legislation and instead of going in house all the time they'll look for certain organizations, typically nonprofits that have expertise in running this. So since the city doesn't operate any nonprofits, they're going to look to nonprofits, excuse me, uh, operate any uh, SROs, single room occupancy mm-hmm. uh, places. They're going to look to places that to organizations that actually do operate them. 
and are successful in, in operating them as, as a model. So, right. so other nonprofits that are already involved in housing can, can uh, you know, pick up on the way other nonprofits operate, SROs. And then if, if that works, then, then it might move into for-profit. It, it, it very well might. But the reason things are moving so quickly right now is because uh, it'll be nonprofit entities that first operate any new SRO development. So, Solomon, do you believe that after learning about this, the SROs that actually still exist have come up with a better model? Well, it's, you know, I'm no housing expert. I don't know, uh, you know, I couldn't rattle off a lot of different housing types, necessarily all of them, or, or, or I don't even really know the specificity, specificity of, of how effective or ineffective any of them might be. But what the advocates and council members who are for this has said to me constantly is that SROs isn't a silver bullet. It's it's not right. gonna it's not the kind of thing that's going to kind of solve our, our housing issues. It's just one option. It's not like even if for profit single room occupancy housing, you know, is ushered into the city, it won't be all over the place. It, it, it it'll just be wherever it kind of fits in and 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 SROs are, you know, you know, the tiny houses that, uh, that we're seeing in, in Minneapolis and the Twin Cities, that was kind of the first step and that into single room occupancy. And, and uh, a lot of housing advocates, homelessness uh, advocates are, are just looking for the city to kind of ex- expand the options for which people can find a place to stay. So have you heard about some of these, um, these uh, small companies that live in these industrial complexes, right? Uh, you can find them all over the cities. You drive in and you see all these addresses on the doors that are different, and it's just these small companies that uh, own them or are renting them. I understand that some of these that were not filled were actually considering this. They didn't call them um, SROs, but they had it where... Uh, the homeless would come in and have one room with one window. Um, they had several uh, toilet, I mean, um, bathrooms where they could, sure. you know, clean themselves up or take a shower, but that was shared um, community. But in your room, you had a bed, you had chairs, you had a desk, you know, and I don't know if you had a radio or a television or if that was an option, but you had a door. And I don't know if you've heard about that, but I read a couple articles about that in the last five years. And I keep thinking to myself, is this the way that we're going to go when it comes to the homeless or for those who just don't have a place, those that are homeless, period, whether you're working sure, or not? I, right. I, I, you know, I, I think that since, you know, before SROs have kind of come back, what you're describing and also there's also other kind of instances like around university campuses or, you know, just anywhere where people split a home or, or they find different kind of arrangements where multiple people live in, in the kind of same dwelling. And, and that's just kind of a, a different way of looking at single room occupancy, right? Just, just like what right. you described. There's, there's different kind of iterations of that around. And, and the reason I actually think that uh, real estate people and housing advocates are kind of are kind of for it is is because they just want that to be kind of legal to kind of be normalized, you know, and 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 let's just kind of put a name to it and let's make it let's let's build specifically in this in this intention instead of taking a house and kind of breaking it up, you know, with construction or just you know however it's laid out. Let's let's be more formal about this, and and in doing so, uh, you know, it's it, it's a lot cheaper to build an SRO. You know, if you only have right. to build 
one kitchen in an entire building or just one bathroom on a, on, on a hallway. That's far cheaper, you know, that, yeah. and, and, and that's why the rents can be something like three hundred and fifty dollars or even less a month, you know, and and, and th- that kind of flexibility also goes into the idea of, of payment. You know, uh, I mentioned the story that the Alliance, they, they allow their tenants to pay not only just if you don't pay on the first, they're not going to kick you out. If you need to pay on the first and the 15th or, or once a week, this is just mm-hmm. kind of opening not only the idea of the physical dwellings that people can stay in, but also the way people pay and the way that people kind of interact with their landlords and and just kind of redefining what a home, an accessible home is for people in the city. What did you learn when it came to getting permits? Because some people, even on the Minneapolis uh, City Council, actually believe this could happen before September. I can't imagine right. that. Um, you know, so just the permits alone, you know how long it takes for this stuff to get done. So what is your perspective on that? I One of my main questions for the council members was my kind of, you know, I, I first even asked them, like, is it just me or is this moving incredibly fast? As, as right. As it seems to be. And, and they, they, they agree. And, and, and mainly because there isn't that pushback. I think, I think people are sick of hearing and seeing and experiencing unhoused people. You know, we're just, it's, I think a lot of people who are going through it and who see our neighbors going through it and our family members going through it, we just we just need solutions and and uh, sure when it comes to things like rent control and other kinds of things you know you can find tenant purchase you can find a lot of pushback uh, but but when it comes to SRO specifically there's no denying as you said as you as as you noted it's it's moving quickly and uh, sometimes ordinances like this can take seven years five years three years right, you know and right. uh this is this will be probably getting under the wire under a year and and, and might uh be on the books august september like you said that's amazing you also wrote about the kinds of people who might find the sro model appealing um you know our alliance has tenants that simply do not want to deal with obtaining furniture or the upkeep involved in a bathroom right. or kitchen so that makes sense to me but what happens when they move out do you know when when when, when the current when the current tenant that yeah. is using the same beds and the same couch when they move out then what is done do you know is it like a dorm room where they go into a room and heat the room up really hot to make sure that you know it's disinfected or how do people do that it's like you hotel know, I, rooms you know I, I have to say I did not ask about maybe there's a, like a hotel like practice I'm I'm sure there's some way of kind of turning that over or maybe you know the sofa stays but you get a new mattress i i, I i'm not sure and, and and to be honest as as we get more sros you're going to be different kinds of styles of sros where you know there's going to be the kind of the lowest lowest cheapest version and then mm-hmm. there might be as we get into a for-profit world for sros you know there might be a world where uh it's um you know, I know if I say words like luxury, uh, Councilmember Cam Gordon would wince. But you know, in, in, in maybe there, there could be a place where there's certain kind of services and turnover services from one tenant to the other. Uh, but but uh, that's 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 down the road. And 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 how SROs operate now, I'm I'm not sure. 
I'm not sure when when it comes to to that exactly. Yeah, I can't wait to find out if they sign contracts. I don't know. And then finally, I want to ask you about mentally ill um, people who are staying in the SROs, right? They're trying to make this community where, you know, anyone who needs a place can have a place, right? Um, And so those, do they have um, uh, uh, someone that can come and make sure that they are taken care of mentally, that they have therapists that are willing to talk and be on site from time to time? These are the things I'm interested in, and I know you didn't write about it, but I'm just curious to know... I mean, how can yeah. they even begin to think about opening before September if they don't have all of those pieces in place? That's what concerns me. Does well, it concern are, you? Sure. No, no. There are, well, the SROs that are operating currently, uh, you know, firstly, m- mentally ill people need a place to live, you know, and, and if they need to be institutionalized or not, they, they need to live somewhere and, and they can find a way to fit into a community and a neighborhood uh, and, um, the, you know, if, if they have certain kind of ailments that have led them to live in a place like an SRO right now, uh, you know, there are, there's, there's no doubt, you know, the executive editor of the Alliance, Barbara Janetta, did mention in the story that, uh, when they first took over a SRO owned by, uh, you know, just a private owner and then, uh, when they got rid of it, the county stepped in and said, we'll buy it because we want to preserve this affordable housing. But we do not operate these things, so we'll have the Alliance do it. And when the Alliance came in and they repaired everything, you know, she openly said that it was tough. We have to find people who really care about living in peace. You know, and there's no right. – and any, that's the way it is in any kind of housing. You know, there's yeah. there's always a block where, you know – people party or this or you have your neighbor and this we all have to find a way to 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 live with each other and uh the the srl model has that has those troubles too and then because it's a a lower barrier of entry you know there there are more people involved and uh there are a lot of variables but i i know that the alliance has found a way to very peacefully run a few sros and and as and you know the model that's going to be coming in this year will be that run by nonprofits who are going to very carefully find people who truly care about just having a peaceful place to live and being a part of the community. Well, communities like this were existing, you know, in the 1920s and even for, you know, not so long ago, 1980, you know, right? It stopped in the 80s. So it's remarkable that this could be a possibility. I'm very interested in that. And if you find time to write another article to update us, please do. I will be watching and reading your articles. Solomon Gustavo, thank you so much. If people want more information, how do they reach you? Uh, I'm at uh, sgustavo at minpost.com. Just shoot me an email. I, I love uh, you know, chatting with, with people about what's going on in, in our city, in the Twin Cities. It's well, thank really you for nice. responding. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. It's, yeah. Oh, it was awesome. Right. Just great. I have so many more questions, but we'll get ah. to it another time. Thank okay. you so much, Solomon. Well, Take care. Time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.